The future will be great, but today is just as incredible. That's right. It's time for all you guys to meet Nissan's most advanced lineup. If you can't get enough adrenaline, there's the all-new 400-horsepower Nissan Z. Or for your off-road adventures, I love those, check out the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. If you're more of a spontaneous, kooky road trip type of person, hop in the Nissan Pathfinder. And for something more electric... There's the stylish Nissan Aria. Let's enjoy the ride. 2023 Aria and Z not yet available for purchase. Expected availability this spring for 2023 Z and this fall for the 2023 Aria. Chris Black in the motherfucking building. Them jeans, are you with me? I'm with you, brother. I, I know I caught you in the middle of rolling calls. Are you going to be present today on, on this program, Chris? The only thing I roll is calls, not to be confused with Coles, like you and your Orange County brethren. I'm very present and alive for this phone call. My phone is turned upside down. My ringer is off. <laughs> uh, and I'm here to talk to you. And, of course, an esteemed guest a little bit later. But right before... Jason, just minutes, minutes before this recording started. Every time we pod, there's always a breaking news story with you, and that's that's what keeps our listeners coming back from. Well, more, it's it's not it's not even breaking, but I did receive my copy of Raven Smith's new book, Men, mm-hmm. from the delightful DHL guy and our friends over at Fourth Estate Books. Um, and I just, you know, I can't wait to dig in. I'm reading only gay books. If uh, I'm looking at the calendar, if the day of the week ends with a Y, that means you acquired yet another gay book. That's right. I'm into gay literature. Mm-hmm. Um, gay lit. It helps if I know the gay author as well. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. Like know them intimately? Uh, I wouldn't. I mean, I think that I... What do you mean by that exactly? I, I mean, mean just no, just, we have a whole hour to get into Just it, know so. them. Just, no, just know just them personally. Words. Just know them personally. As Say a, no more, brother. Say no more. As a, fr- as a friend and, and maybe former guests of the program, you know what I mean? But I'm... Uh, I'm happy to dig into Raven's book. And the cover is a simple gold with like a nice uh, red text. And it really hits IRL. Like it really looks, it, it, it goes it goes a little harder than it does online. Just wanted to point that out for all my... So you're saying it's aesthetic AF. Yeah, that's, that's not, okay. not a joke. But I, I know that you are chomping at the bit to get into this uh, Met Gala uh you know kind of the, the met gala now now for well before we get into that though jason i would like to say there's a lot to get into i like it <clears throat> congratulations congratulations on another excellent piece of sponsored content for your mm-hmm. friends over there at hendrix gin mm-hmm. i've never i i don't drink but if i did i would be enjoying a neptunia cocktail with you <laughs> and maybe some maybe a nice shrimp cocktail to go with that mm, neptunia say her name <laughs> <laughs> TJ Tear, another SponCon. I mean, your words, not mine. I don't know. I'll take all the praise. And if uh, anyone who works at MC and Sachi Advertising Agency <laughs> listens to this podcast, you know, you heard it here first. Chris Black, most people will pay tens of thousands of dollars, five, maybe six figures for a, a quote from Chris Black, brand ambassadress. That's right. Yeah. You get it for free. That's right. <laughs> That's what I do. 
I do this for free for my real homies. We do it for free. That's all love. That's all love, baby. Met Gala happened last night in the beautiful city of New York. Shout out to our friends at Vogue.com for all the great <laughs> coverage. Uh, next year, Jason and I are available instead of Lala to do the red carpet. You just, you guys just keep us posted. <laughs> How does Lala keep getting these look? Look, who does she have dirt on? Le- well, Lala is interestingly. I think Lala's actually friends with all the celebrities, which in theory should help her, but instead she just says everybody's outfit looks amazing and they look beautiful. Right, right, right. As soon as you become friends with all the chefs, how can you be a restaurant critic? Exactly, exactly. Um, but so we, you know, I sent over a quick little list of my 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 faves <laughs> and of course my misses. Let's be honest, we're here for the misses, aren't we? We're here for the misses, uh, but I, you know, I just wanted to say first and foremost that I'm as shocked as anyone. I thought Pete Davidson looked great in Dior. <laughs> I thought that was the best he had e- e- ever ever looked. Yeah, he put on um, leather shoes instead of Vans with his H and M suit. I thought he looked great. But my other favorite, I don't. Are you familiar with Christine Baranski? No, is she on The Office or anything? No, she's not on The Office. She was on an amazing show. A, a few. I mean, she's been on a few amazing shows. She was on The Good Wife and then also on The Good Fight. Amazing. Um, but she's just like a. I mean, honestly, she's like a. What's her name again? Christine uh, Baranski. Christine Baranski. You'll rec- uh, you'll recognize you'll recognize her. She's Polish. Oh, uh, this bitch on the Gilded Age. Yeah, she's on everything. She's amazing. But but she on the Good Wife, Good Neighbor, Good Show, Good Good Sex, No No Stress. <laughs> but she, I thought she looked amazing. I am biased. She wasn't Tom Brown, but I think she looked like a statuesque elder beauty, uh, really chic and put together. She's the only one who did did the homework and everyone else just copied the test and you could put that in the bank exactly thank you jason for pushing the culture forward you got it you got it so she looked good i thought christine looked amazing uh i thought pete and kim looked amazing i mean kim lost 16 pounds by eating only tomatoes and and doing a sauna suit for three weeks only tomatoes is that real that's right that's what i heard oh i'm looking up yeah christine bransky she looked like it's it's honestly i just love it i love the look i thought it was i thought it was very good i don't think they had celine sunglasses in the 1800s but otherwise i'm here i'm here for it queen those are those are uh, yeah good point i guess glasses are those you would know more than i would well she i mean she's wearing tom she's she's wearing tom brown so i imagine they're tom brown Uh, oh yeah they look great uh but also i want to give a shout out to my girl uh, lily allen and Chanel styled by friend of the show Ian Bradley. We stand Ian Bradley. Did you have any good picks? No, or? I mean I figured that we I figured we weren't gonna have any time for my picks. Also, you know, what do I know about fashion? I'm but a working man, great suburban knight. Great point. You know? Yeah, great I'm just a wife guy, dad bod. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, that's right all right well then we can get into the worst then which is no problem for me okay so yeah the best christine bransky lily allen Haley Haley bieber peter i want to know more about this tomato diet i don't know that's the only information i have but people are upset with her for obviously her unrealistic body expectations but I saw a friend of the show, Brian Boy, response was her body, her choice, uh, (laughs) which was pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, if I could go on the, I mean, I've done the master cleanse that can't be any more fucked up than just eating tomatoes, you know? I mean, except tomatoes are bad. Even the best ones I don't want. Even the beautiful heirloom tomatoes grown in our our wonderful state of California. I don't really want to. You're a little fat ass eat ketchup though, don't it? Nah, bro. What's that? You don't eat ketchup? Come on. Are you saying tomato with sugar? Uh, and then worst, I have to say, um, Kylie, Kylie, you can't, Kylie and Nicki Minaj both wore baseball hats 
to the Met Gala, and I, I want to say that, that, that and the theme was not the the Mets. No, the it theme was, no, it was it, the yeah, Gilded the, Age. I think they got confused. I just don't want to see a <laughs> a baseball cap that has stuff hanging from it uh, in any situation, much less one that should be looked at as formal. Uh, Future, of course, looked insane and wore a mask, which felt stupid uh but his outfit was disgusting and let's not forget friend of the show kid cuddy Mm -hmm. uh in a blue cape designed by nego does oh nego come on nego kid cuddy always looks bad but like he really looks bad when he's given the opportunity to go formal what i i think friend of the show instagram account fit ain't nothing said kid (laughs) cuddy you can't hum your way out of this one <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, he's he Kid Cudi is is the worst. I'm glad to see him get roasted by that great Instagram account. But overall, you know, it was fashion's biggest night. Uh, I did enjoy uh, the red carpet procession. Oh, I forgot OBJ and Cactus Plant Flea Market. <laughs> he looked he looked like a monk, but not the cool kind that you can buy like cheese from that chant. <laughs> like he just looked. Yeah, so he had Cactus plant flea market do a custom piece that it kind of it was like a velveteen awful but then uh, it it definitely could have been from the 1870s that's true it was yeah that's a good point you know like the guy who like lives underneath the bridge Mm -hmm. the guy who lurks in the shadows of your town square but cactus plant cactus like i don't know you can't hire somebody who makes t-shirts to to Mm. make you know what i mean it just doesn't really make sense like i don't understand i mean there's ready to wear and there's couture right that's jason thank you for that and 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 tonight was a night or last night was a night for couture i'll say it my sweatshirt uh actually took twenty two thousand man hours to bead um, you can't see it right now, but I just want you to know that that it's a, it's got it, it, the handmade feel is because it's it's literally handmade. But shout out to all the best dress, shout out to all the worst dress, shout out to all my friends at at Vogue.com for all their hard work. Shout out to Anna Wintour, my queen. I saw a good tweet saying Anna Wintour was was alive during the Gilded Age and she still didn't get the assignment right. How do you feel about that, Chris? Well, the thing is, is that the theme is pointless. Like the theme is is. Yeah, so- should we just stop having the theme because nobody really? Well, the the theme ties into the actual museum show, which is interesting and usually pretty good. Mm-hmm. You go every year. I well, I mean, not every year, but I try. But most celebrities, as you know, Jason, celebrities kind of do their own thing. You know what I think? These celebrities, they can do their own thing whenever they want at the fucking VH1 Awards. Exactly, or Met Gala. Let's to. get it together. The Met Gala. There should be somebody at the door it's like yes you rsvp'd yes we invited you but it should be like bergheim there should yeah. be a tall a tall scary person yeah who's like uh no no camilla cabello next year jason stewart doing security at the met gala he sees sebastian stan stroll up in that full pink valentino look he says <laughs> sebastian not tonight sweetie go back to the sound stage and try again sebastian this is an outfit that lil uzi vert would wear on a wednesday just to go to you know pick up his lunch to get his well no he would get his to go salmon from lucian like all the other cool guys downtown this is this is like oh that's a cool look for like a cool wednesday afternoon salmon mm. lucian and look mm-hmm. for Lil Uzi Vert, and then this fucking Marvel actor is like, "All right, Gilded Age Met Gala, white, <laughs> not black tie, white tie. Let's do this." We do have a guest today. I, I can't wait to get his opinion on the Met Gala. Mm-hmm. Uh, legendary singer, songwriter, uh, 
producer um, and the the proprietor of uh, the Tiny Telephone uh, Analog Recording Studio. TT. Yeah, that's right. John Vanderslice is joining us today on the podcast from one of my favorite cities in America, Gainesville, Florida. Actually, San Francisco too, Chris. Well, your second favorite city. Yeah. In so no, I actually like Gainesville. I don't like San Francisco. Um, but but John has relocated uh, to L.A., baby, so we can kind of figure out where his spots are. I think he told me, he texted me, he did say that his San Vicente bungalows, uh, he did get approved. Mm-hmm. So he is a member, John's a member at San Vicente. He said, so house, I'm not risking my life. You know what I mean? He said, uh, too not, soon, not this brother. Too soon. <laughs> too soon. Uh, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's, uh, give, uh, John a jingle and find out what he's been up to. I have to say, this this house you have a lot of color going on. Yeah, we just got a quick tour of John's of John's crib. Yeah, it's sick, right? <laughs> I, <laughs> yes, John, it is. I know. <laughs> but you do have a lot John, of color yeah. in your life. The walls are painted bright colors. There's different colors going on. Obviously, your hair is often appearing in different colors. I think that my general maybe frustration with like. Uh, situations is that no one's kind of like doing like set decoration. You know what I mean? Like you, mm. I, I went to a friend's party like a couple of weeks ago in some ways that they're, they're really good at putting music, like, like setting the scene, but the lights in the part, like in the house were on mm. like full blast. Like, like, like they're doing like forensic, you know, criminology or something. It's <laughs> like, this is a fucking party, man. Like people are lit up and this is, su- it, it is such a scene killer. You know what I mean? So, when I walk into a place, I just want, yeah. if someone comes to my house, I don't have any LED bulbs or in, it's all incandescent bulbs, a lot of low lighting, tons of candles. And like, I just think that those things, they, they go so far. I agree. And just like I agree. the color scheme, there's only three colors in my entire house that are used over and over and over again, recycled in different List ways. List them off. List them off, buddy. Well, there's one that's like kind of like a, a mint toothpaste color that, that like actually, <laughs> it really is beautiful like the color of it is really beautiful and then there's like a kind of a deep red like a blood red uh-huh. like dried blood and then the next uh, the, the, our listeners are sliding off of their seats right now here in these right me uh toothpaste and dried blood go on <laughs> this guy uh, are you moonlighting at crayola because this is this is too good you're hitting us with some stuff okay. so what's the th- what's the third what's the yeah, third tie it all together it's kind of like a dreamy deep blue okay and those colors just they just work everywhere they're positive they're also kind of weird like like it's you think it's not a true wait wait what did you say <laughs> i said you think yeah <laughs> well i mean especially now in a world where everyone is like do we do white or cream or eggshell know, you know that's it it's a snooze man it's like you can't be boring well there are there's some similarities i mean obviously you know you're known for being the analog guy and it seems like that has gone from the musical preferences into your lighting preferences. Yes. Mm. No, no fluorescent, all incandescent candles. I'm sure you have a couple oil burning lanterns mm. or something in there. Mm-hmm. Shovel in coal. I mean, I, I like it, but Chris is a huge lighting guy. Yeah. His mood depends on the light and the scent. And that's true. And my life partner, who I live with, her mood fluctuates so heavily based on the lighting in a room mm. like it's 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 life or death it's, for her. it's just it, like you it, it is it is life or death I, <laughs> I i love it i get it and yeah i do have a oh, I, I have a vegetable oil burning lamp and that that what? is some seriously good shit <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> did you have one? Did you ever have one of those old Mercedes diesels that you converted to run on French fry oil? Kind of the same vibe. That would be my next door neighbor did, and it was in like immaculate condition. He was Ukrainian. It was really sick. <laughs> I I didn't. So so you just relocated to L.A. What do you? How are you feeling? I love living in L.A. It's it's you know I lived in the Bay Area. I heard you say right before I got on that <laughs> that um. The San Francisco sucks, and it does. It's like that really, <laughs> like a like a. Let's sexist. go, Vanderslice. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's like a nightmare place. You know, it's it's like a a a, a sexless you know hellscape. Ooh. But I thought you were the you were. I mean, you're yes, closely tied. You're closely tied to San Francisco. Some would say patron saint, depending on what scene you're in. Mm-hmm. Did it? Did you have any emotion leaving, or were you just like this place is torched? I got to go. I, it was like torched. I got to go. I, I mean, I would have left there a lot earlier. And listen, it's not San Francisco's fault. I mean, it, it was like a lovely weirdo town in 19, you know, like 89 when I showed up there, you know, like from like probably 10 years ago until the history of San Francisco, it was a magical place. I, I, I think only probably in the last 10 years did it get fucked out and ruined. Yeah, You can't pump like trillions of dollars of capital into like a little peninsula and have it be like a normal place. It is so fucked up there. I mean, it ha- even has John Vanderslice saying the word capital. You had to get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it changed you, John. It changed you. It changed. Well, it changed I, you know, me. we have a, we have a friend, Jonah, who has a, a very popular newsletter called Black spy plane and he likes to scold me because i group oakland in with san francisco but my oakland heads want to reiterate that oakland is a very different place it's much better do you agree with that do you disagree with I, that i disagree i disagree i disagree, <laughs> I disagree. Fucking stupid too bro <laughs> yeah it's like the thing is the thing that ruined san francisco is 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 in some weird ways is worse in oakland like so many tech companies slid over to Oakland and the disparity in wealth in Oakland is just one. It's one of the most shocking things you'll ever see in the U S it is a completely fun. There's like all this new housing that's going up in Oakland. And it reminds me of all that Amazon housing in Seattle. It's like completely dystopian, absolutely separate from the city. Like it has nothing to do. That shit could be on Mars. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, (laughs) it doesn't, it's not integrated in any way into the city. They plop it down and people move in. There's no like, and those people lower their blinds and they're fucking weirdo like spectrum Mm -hmm. people that just want to code engineer and they want to get hella rich and get the fuck out. You know, so they don't, they don't, it's like a cop living in Simi Valley, man. They're like, they're driving (laughs) through LA, like fuck these people. I wish I could go target practice. You know what I mean? Like, they don't yeah. they they hate where they are they're, they're not like yeah, yeah, ambivalent yeah. It's necessary it's necessary take it's- that shit to austin and denver that's what i say huh? yeah yeah exactly I mean, you've done you've done extensive touring in your life i mean what is what is, if you if you had to leave california where are you settling well that's interesting because my girlfriend and i talk about that all the time just because she's like a new york person who would love to move back to new york and and she we also both have a very kind of intense draw to old Rust Belt cities in the U.S. So like your Kansas cities, for instance, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, like, okay. Okay. Like there's some magic in these places, you know, like, like I just have never had a bad day off in the Midwest in one of these towns. I just haven't. I have fun there. When a, a mm. coastal, a coastal elite changing in his old age. I didn't, <laughs> who would have thought? So you're hor- you're horny for Pittsburgh. I I, I adore Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. I've had like great great times in Pittsburgh, and it's like 
Yeah, you, you, there's, you know, you, I am really fucking soft from living in LA as far as weather goes. Like, like I am, you know, I, I, I am outside 350 days a year. So like that would be difficult, but you know, there's a lot to say about the food and coffee and alcohol culture in these cities where people can actually afford, you know, if you're a weirdo chef and you want to set up shop, you're probably not coming to California. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're, you're going to go to a place where you can actually deal with the city. You're hitting mm-hmm. Cleveland where you can afford to do what you want to do. Yes. Like how San Francisco used to be. Yeah. There's probably more innovation in Cleveland and Cincinnati right now in Columbus than there is in LA. Mm-hmm. LA, LA has been completely wrecked with covid i mean it's it's insane how many restaurants like mid-level restaurants that were killing it Mm -hmm. have just shut down because they can't staff covid has just fucked everything up and like i don't know there's a there's a point where we talk about like it would be amazing to have like a you know a house that was built in like 1910 and have like some space and a life where we weren't working seven days a week to sustain this like california shit yeah but what are you gonna do out there it's fucking boring you know what i well, mean well we just like buy drugs on the dark web and like have five friends and like, <laughs> like, like listen to records you know what I mean? john that was the coolest <laughs> okay. response you could have ever done to that question okay well i guess i guess you've got it figured out i mean right? it sounds like to me you guys can hit kansas city anytime you know? and just okay kinda, so john I mean, how much bitcoin did you have 10 years ago and how much do you have now how much did you blow on some of that a1 perico you know what i'm saying well you know what's wild is that like for me what happened to me as far as losing bitcoin it was always it happened to me three times where i had no you know i had probable i mean bitcoin's gone bitcoin's gone down but i would say that like the, the markets were were better in the beginning right like so silk road silk road 2 like you know like Middle Earth market, like these markets stayed up. Yeah. And, and I would just leave money in my wallet. Like I, I wasn't getting fished. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a big deal. It was, it was kind of before things got like really hectic. Like it was starting like two years ago. It was like a massacre. Your favorite markets went down. Like yeah. you didn't have to lock your front door. You could buy an AR 15 from a stranger yeah. and it was fine. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I left my wallet unlocked. Yeah. Nobody even took yeah, anything. No one even crazy. took my Bitcoin. And like, so I mean, I the the re I got mo- I lost money repeatedly because the FBI and Interpol were seizing sites. So that's where I fucked up. Like, I would leave Bitcoin in my wallet, and the most I ever lost was six hundred dollars. At the time, I mean, I would have just bought drugs with it, so I wouldn't have like I never invested in Bitcoin, you know. But like. That that six hundred dollars, if I would have left it there and forgotten about it, would probably, it'd probably right. be worth like three or four grand. Like nothing crazy now, you know. But like, yeah. I bought Bitcoin. I don't know. Two. I, I was on Mount Gox. You know what I mean? Like I was early as fuck on that, just because I was buying drugs. Like I didn't care about. <laughs> to me, it was like. To me, this is what I thought about crypto, crypto in the beginning. The the the, 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 the U.S. dollar, especially the hundred dollar bill, has been. It, the hundred dollar bill is the international drug currency. It's been propping up the dollar for since the beginning of time. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's like the, the U.S. has benefited from the from the global drug trade and on many many levels. And when crypto came out, I was like, oh shit! Like Bitcoin is going to blow up simply because it's mm-hmm. going to be the international drug currency. You know, and so. I should have probably like tapped into it, but I also am very averse to like things like investing. And I I mean, I'm an econ major and I kind of, it's all like makes me sick. All of that world. You know what I mean? Like I just, 
and I'm not like a, I like being poor kind of guy because <laughs> I really would love to be rich. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I don't have this like Me too. theater thing I need to do, right? Because I'm a left winger. I don't need to <laughs> appear rich. I mean, yeah. poor, like I could be rich and be very happy, you know? And so I never invested in Bitcoin, but I definitely knew better. And I just like didn't bother. I need you to walk me through buying drugs on the dark web because I've only bought drugs kind of the regular way. The best cocaine I've ever done in my life by a by a, a long shot was was from Silk Road. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I would say that once you start <laughs> doing like once you start doing coke from the dark web, you can get you know the first time I bought drugs, I bought a gram of opium and I bought a gram of cocaine, and the cocaine was from Germany. It was from this guy named Suke S U K A why and he had published all of these lab reports of his cocaine and i was like whoa yeah and i was like so he he pulled up the carfax yeah exactly (laughs) and i was like i was like this motherfucker man like this is the shit it kind of like got me in this mode that i've never gotten out of which is like i want to see the science like i want to see it tested i want and so his Coke, I think it was eight, you know, Coke taps out about 89%. That's as, that's as pure as it's ever going to get because you have like impurities, moisture, junk like that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. his Coke was at 87%. Ooh. I got a gram of it and I, I couldn't believe the dissonance between what I thought yeah. cocaine was and what it was was like, it, just like what you were saying, like once you do pure cocaine, pharmaceutical grade cocaine, it is very subtle. There's no drip. The, the kind of like the glow of mm-hmm. it, the, the arc of it is so beautiful and purposeful and like highly social, highly connective. It's much closer to an MDMA experience mm-hmm. than, than like methamphetamine, which is like street coke is predominantly methamphetamine and Levanasol and like mm-hmm. some nasty ass shit. So <laughs> I think that like everyone is rewarded by learning how to buy drugs on the dark web and you will never ever deal with like some bullshit signal dude (laughs) (laughs) i this sounds you're really making a case for it i feel like jason this is something you could get into i feel like this is not that far from your your realm selling drugs on the dark web and then publicizing purchasing. that on oh no purchasing got it, no got it, purchasing got it. yeah purchasing I feel like it because it seems like the the barrier of entry is pretty low yeah I mean I've been I've been I've been around it you know no no further questions no further comments <laughs> I just don't I don't fully understand how is payment exchanged Chris is just like buying an NFT it's it's Bitcoin and like it is okay and my whole thing is I would I would just you know, I would encourage everyone to not be paranoid because there's like, if you look above you right now in the sky, there's, you know, a hundred thousand envelopes of drugs crisscrossing the sky sent via USPS. It can't be opened without a warrant. No one fucking cares about your personal drug use, you know? So like, I think you don't worry about washing bitcoins or really, you know, all bets are off if you live in one of these psycho states where they actually prosecute this shit. But like, you know, in California, a DA, I don't even think the DA in LA would prosecute me if I got a huge package of, of fucking heroin. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think they care. My f- friends, you know, always tell me like, oh, aren't you worried? And I'm like, I don't know. It'd kind of be good for my brand, honestly. If I got <laughs> You're like, I don't have a ton of priors, you know, slap on the wrist, but just think about what it'll do for my PR. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I could do a little time if I had to, you know what I mean? If there are some benefits to yeah. it. Yeah. I'd come out a hero. Did you ever think you'd see the day when all of this would would happen because you know back in the day it was you know smoking pot on the street would get you a ticket or arrested you know and now 
you know, now you can bring an ounce to the airport and, and tell the little German shepherd to suck your dick. <laughs> yeah, I, I really, really didn't. And I remember when I was in, you know, I started smoking weed before I was in junior high school. So I was like an old head at this shit. And I remember being in eighth grade at... Back when a dime bag costs a dime. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I was at Mon- Montgomery Mall when I was in eighth grade. And we were, you know, out in the back, the kind of like the loading zone of the mall and we were smoking weed out of a out of a glass pipe and a security guard came at us like we were about to detonate a fucking bomb do you know what i mean and like <laughs> i remember the, the the fear that day of running from some fucking renacop like you know i was about to go to guantanamo you know what i mean like so you know i had real real fear in those days about getting busted for weed, for sure. So are you still a little kind of cock shy around it or are you kind of comfortable with it now? I don't really, yeah, I, I, it's gone. That stuff is gone. I mean, I rarely, okay, good. I love weed in theory and I, I kind of dip into it once in a while, but it's not my drug of choice. You know, I probably, I probably only do edibles or smoke weed like 20 times a year. Okay. So mostly just the cocaine then? Yeah. My, my drugs, the, the drugs. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I do coke probably way more than that. <laughs> Damn. You're my, you're my kind of guy, John. I gotta say, I gotta say, I think, listen, I think coke is like highly underrated drug. Honestly, I, I, I really do. I think it's like a phenomenally useful drug for, for social, for small social groups. People are blown away, but I'm a huge fan of MDMA. Mm-hmm. I think that like, Crystal pure MDMA, 120, 150 milligrams, change your life, change your relationship, change your, oh, yeah. change your, like your attitudes and your con- connections with your friends. It'll make you a better friend. Mm-hmm. It'll make you a better person. And I really, really like ceremonial drugs. I really like ayahuasca and peyote and San Pedro and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like that, that's kind of where my, my heart is, you know, that like I love that stuff. Okay. Do you think this encourages creativity or, or do you think? Like, are you actually able to do stuff or does this just unlock something in your brain and then you access it later? You know, what's funny. Mm. Okay. I think about this all the time. I, I'm in it. This is my hot take. I think it <laughs> decreases creativity. I really do. <laughs> I really do. And the reason is, I think that it's like when you're creative, it's almost like you're desperate for a little action. You know, you're desperate to get fucked. You're desperate to get like power. You're desperate to get money. You're desperate to get clout or love or out of your own fucking misery. And the thing is that when you start having fully realized experiences with like ceremonial drugs, it almost takes up so much oxygen and is so creative in itself that you come out exhausted. You come out fully satisfied. You come out as like a God and like those kind of people don't make art. You know what I mean? They just like the weeks, the weeks after I do Aya, I'm just like in my house petting my cat and like sitting in my backyard. You know what I mean? I don't, I mean, I think of like the greatest records I ever made were in periods of like abject fucking suicidal ideation and misery. Like, you know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't like a joyous, you know, place, you know? And like, I have a really funny attitude towards like, like art and the validity of, of, of creative action like i really genuinely feel it's like the most sacred expression of being a human but i also feel that it's fake as shit mm-hmm. you know what i mean like <laughs> i i look at so much of what i've done in my life and it's like an extension of just ego stuff and it feels very dark and like 
contaminated, mm. you know? So, and I'm, I'm not tortured by this stuff at all. I mean, I make records all the time. I have a fun time. I'm in general, I'm very happy in my own life. So I don't have like a complicated mm-hmm. uh, thing to work out here, but, but these are just thoughts that I have that are kind of like really, they, they have been going on for a long time. So I definitely think that I really do feel this way. <laughs> that's good. That's good. And that's, that's an interesting thing that really only kind of comes with, with some age, you know, with some, yeah, some yeah. miles on the odometer where you can start yeah. to see those patterns over the year and you're like, I'll grow out of this. And you're like, mm, no, haven't grown out of it yet. Yeah. This might be a real thing. Well, I mean, I think, I think like you were saying, when you're, when you're doing like an ayahuasca thing or, a real like heady ceremonial drug experience where you know it is like a workout it leaves you exhausted afterwards uh physically and emotionally do you think that that's sort of uh giving your your mental muscles time to kind of relax and rest and recuperate so they can come back stronger and and be creative or yeah or is that just like a a a nice idea no i do i do think so and i think that like aya has been shown to wreck your um your kind of neural pathway so i think it's kind of like a forest fire in your brain mm. and so after aya you know you're you're kind of like rebuilding like this neurogenetic landscape again which is why i think that it it might be extremely good for brain health and why it might be good for things like dementia alzheimers and like just like the general stupidity that old people generally fall into, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, your brain just gets like tired and old and like, it's just like covered in plaque from like stupid thoughts your whole life, you know, which we all have, you know? And, like, so, so not unlike, uh, you know, working out a physical muscle where in order to grow and strengthen it, you have to tear it and, and have it heal itself again, 100%. a little bit stronger and better. You got to run on tired legs. You know, it's like, I, I, I run five days a week and like, I really, try to I'm, I'm trying to be a good runner and it's it's war it's ugly it's horrible and it requires <laughs> like destruction of your body on a certain level and oh, like isn't that the best feeling i'm feeling it right now and i love it it's, it's the best feeling running on tired legs is a phrase that i've never heard before and i and i really enjoy it, it it's terrible and then once you finish your run on on tired legs that you never thought you could do you're king of the world. You're king of the world. And like, you know, what's amazing is that when you do or queen, you do like a long run at like, you know, like 11 a.m. or noon. And I know from that point, if I do like a six mile run in Elysian Park, which is pretty nasty and it, it gets hot. In the <laughs> so like, there's this like, there's this feeling of like, of like when that's over and you know that you're taking a day off tomorrow uh-huh. and you know that you get to go home and have some fucking tacos you know what I mean? And then you get to like work on some music or whatever. That is the probably my favorite feeling. Everything else is just cake. I, I like that. that I like that you're the kind of guy that you've been living your lifestyle for so long that you just run at 11 a.m. and there's no consequences for that. And that is <laughs> that is some, that is something I really aspire to. As I was out there tr- trudging down Melrose at 7 a.m. this morning, you're just waking up. Fuck. Shit! What were you What were you doing at seven a.m.? I was running because I have work to do, John. Well, he's he's fuck. sober, John. That's why I'm also sober. I'm also sober, but no, I had work to do, so today I had to get it in early. But but I do understand 
the noon, your body is awake in a different way. Yeah. I do think sometimes yes. yep. it can perform better at that time. I did a workout uh, an hour ago. Yeah. And yeah, I felt so, I had two cups of coffee in me. Oh, baby. A little time to stretch, a <laughs> little, little time to do a couple emails. Oh. Post about some great brands on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're killing it, Jason. Everything after that is just icing on the cake. It's icing right? on the cake. Well, what, what, uh, so you're you're you run in Elysian Park, which is dangerous. So I'm I'm praying for you. <laughs> if you run on tour and it's in like a beautiful environment, do you feel yourself being better or do you like the grunge? Okay, do you want to hear something terrible? I've never once run on tour in my entire life. Ever once. What? Yeah, never once. You're that you're that hungover, bro. You've been touring no, for twenty five years. What are you doing? I've actually never had a drink or done drugs ever on tour either. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? Never. Okay, now that is the most fucked up thing you've said. So you're saying you just have gr- you just have group sex every night no, after the show. No. And I, there's no drugs. I, what? I, I've actually never had sex with more than one person either. So like I'm like oddly vanilla mixed in with like some crazy shit. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like Man, so you're telling so you've been touring, you've literally been touring for a very I mean you you've been doing this for a very long yeah. time and I, yeah. and you've done it yeah. at every level. I feel like you've probably yeah. done some really wild big shit. You've done tiny clubs. Yep. And you're saying you 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 do this stone cold sober. I've never and I I'm not being like just funny or just stretching the truth. Like I've never mm-hmm. even had a sip of alcohol on a day off. Even. Really? And so I'm going to I'm going I'm touring Europe in um uh, in at the end of May, so I leave here on the twentieth, and it's for a month. Mm-hmm. And it's op- I'm opening up for Not a Surf in Europe. I'm in their bus, and it's like it's kind of it's a good. I mean, I've done a couple tours with them before, but this is like it's nice. There's no UK, so you don't have to deal with like Brexit stuff. Mm-hmm. There's it's like <laughs> Switzerland and Germany and France and Spain and like Belgium and the chill countries. It's there. it's the it's the it's a very high quality of life kind of tour. So mm-hmm. maybe two weeks before I leave, you know, so like any day now I will stop doing any drug or alcohol because I'm getting ready for a tour. So I just go into like pure rehearsal mode and I'll be like just focused on the tour. And then the day, you know, the last night of that, my girlfriend's going to be coming in to see the last show is in Brussels. And then that night we'll go out and like, Get some beers in Belgium. <laughs> so, <laughs> so after all that, you just get some. I mean, I would, I would have my chick fly in. And I'm like, all right, this is where you inject the heroin into my eyeballs. <laughs> I'm not going to so, go out for a schnitzel and a couple cold ones. Yeah. What are you? So is is so you're saying that you're just is it is it like a focus thing or is it just like you compartmentalize this stuff in your life? It's it's a fo- it's a focus. That I I think that we have an ethical kind of agreement with the audience to be at our best every single night and playing shows every night is incredibly Mm. hard. Alcohol is notoriously brutal on your vocal cords. Mm. And like, I also have a theory of like, you do less drugs so you can do more drugs. You know, you have like these long swaths of not, (laughs) of not touching anything, you know, like you, you leave everything. I mean, think about when I was touring all the time, there were years when I would, when I would drink alcohol maybe 20 or 30 times the entire year because of this schedule, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, so it, it kind of like forces you into these like very like disciplinary periods in your life, which you have to have because when you tour, all you see 
you don't even see drug addicts. You see alcoholics. Yeah. That's all you see around you is alcoholics. You tour with them. They open up for you. You open up for them. They work at all the venues. They work in all the venues, the bartenders. It's like, that's the, that, that's the kind of the payment for being on tours that you get to start drinking at like three o'clock in the day, every day, all, as much as you want. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then, and, and I guess I'm just knowing what, a, a bar smells like at soundcheck at, yeah. at two o'clock in the afternoon. It's crazy. Yeah, that can be a sober, crazy. Thing. So it sounds like you're just edging with alcohol and drugs. Yes. Kind of. Ex- exactly. Which is, and then, okay. Love it. Exactly. I like a little edge play myself, John. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like the best, but when you, so when you have that beer in Brussels after whatever, six weeks, nothing tastes, it's ma- It's magic. Yeah. It's magic. And then like the foie gras from Chez Panisse. Am I right, John? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yes, a place I, I used to work at. Yeah, you used to work there, didn't you? Yeah, it's in my wiki page. <laughs> Spe- speaking of co- speaking of cocaine, you used to work at a restaurant. Yes. <laughs> what was the What was the So, what years were you at Chez Panisse? Sorry, we we were both you know fans of restaurants and things like that. Oh yeah, me me too, man. I, so I was at Chez at like it was like late nineties, ninety seven, something like that. Yeah, I yeah I want to say ninety seven to two thousand three. Okay, was was my full time era at Chez. I was starting to tour a lot and that's why I, why I left, but like they were very, very gracious with me coming and going and like mm-hmm. they were incredibly supportive. Support the arts over there. They really do. And they feed you exactly what they feed the customers. And that was the draw for people working mm-hmm. there was that you just ate like a motherfucker. <laughs> so you're not getting like the trash family <laughs> meal good. where somebody makes like pasta. You're getting the same dishes. Oh uh, yeah. Like that. The same exact dishes. And that it's very, very common that you work in a nice restaurant and you really are getting this like, you're getting the stuff they need to get rid of mm-hmm. in a big old bowl, you know. Salmon's about to go. Yeah. What now? Now, what what station were you on? What was your responsibility? So I started as a as a busser, and then I was a waiter, and then I was a bartender. Front of house, shouty. Okay. I bet you were doing pretty well with the bartending, huh? Tips looking good. Actually, it's it's a European system. It's all included, so you don't get tipped. Every, the tips are included in with what everything. I don't know how I don't know how yeah, I feel about that whole thing. I, I I want as a as a hard worker, I want to be tipped for my work. I don't want to share it with the other <laughs> slackers. Well, how did how did that work out for you? Uh, very, the pay was very low. So it didn't work out super well. Yeah, but but it's you know it's kind of like a socialist like empire. So like uh-huh. when I was uh, when I was a dishwasher, I think I made like eleven dollars an hour, and I think that when I was a waiter, I think wow. I made like eleven fifty an hour or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you don't really get that much, but you get paid sick days, you get good health insurance. Mm-hmm. They really take care of you, and th- they wouldn't lose. And there, and there was probably people lining up to take your job. Oh my! They would fucking they would put a hood on you and just dump you in the bay for your. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a it was a good job. Like, and also like amazing people. Like, an incredibly good group of people work there. Walk me through some of your celebrity encounters. You know, a little Bill Clinton or something like that. Well, Bill Clinton came in, so I never saw him when I was. But he came in multiple times when I worked there. I just was never there. Mm-hmm. Um, David Bowie came in when I Ooh, worked there, and I wasn't there. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> How pissed were you when when Bowie came in and you were off that night? That, that I was bummed at that one. I didn't the Clinton thing. I didn't care about, but the <laughs> yeah, that's what you say now. That's what you say now. I'm sure. Well, Bill know. didn't write Diamond Dogs, but you know he had a few good <laughs> ideas, Bill did, right? Bill didn't write oh, Diamond Dogs. He did not. But I was I waited on Debbie Harry. Like mm. you know, 
I was part of the crew that waited on the Dalai Lama. Oh, I mean, there were heavy fucking people. Wow. That came in. Yeah, I was just going to say it was it was every day people were run, running. And then the other thing was like the cooking world. They just got crazy chefs coming through there all the time. So it was like, mm-hmm. you know, because they were like really the, the Bay Area hub for any chef in the world coming through. If you yeah, if you come to town, you got to go to chef. Yeah. And it was like an amazing kind of social hub too. I don't know. It it really changed my life actually. Love it. Yeah. I mean, what is your relationship to restaurants now? Well, so I have a restaurant map in LA that has about 350 restaurants in it. <laughs> All right, Jonathan Gold, yeah. calm down. Damn, yeah. bro. <laughs> and I, I, yeah, I, I really like food. I think about food all the time. My girlfriend's a very good cook, but this is the problem. And, and you guys are going to agree with this that like <laughs> LA before COVID is different than LA after COVID. Like even in my, my neighborhood, I live in Filipino town, which is a very small neighborhood. We've lost some of the best restaurants that we had just shut down with COVID and they're not coming back. Mm-hmm. So that there's definitely been like some real like baller places. Like one of my favorite restaurants was that Israeli restaurant, Mezet, M-H-Z-H, which was yeah. on Sunset in Silver Lake. They shut down with COVID. Like mm-hmm. there's just been kind of like a, Hey, look, just incredible. All the, all the, all the ghost kitchens and wing places on Melrose are open. So <laughs> the major thing I'm yeah. dealing with is a couple Fauci murals that I can't avoid. But <laughs> I, o- overall, overall, I feel like no, but no, but you're right. You're right. I think that. I like forgot about that restaurant and it was yep. the hottest restaurant in LA two years ago. It was so fucking good, man. And like the other thing too is that I think that like food delivery completely wrecks restaurants. I, I think that when you plate onto cardboard, it's like it's over. Like mm. it doesn't matter. There's no incentive to use good ingredients or to have good cooks. It's like it's, it's over. And so I think that food has just tanked and I'm like, the, what really, I started going back and forth between Mexico and then spending time in Oaxaca and Mexico City and then coming back to LA. It was like a bloodbath. I mean, it was just so unfavorable to compare those places where you have like a lot of family restaurants and like really, really good taco tents and like very, very modest stylized restaurants in, in Mexico City where they're all in. And you come back to LA and you just don't find the same level of obsession Mm -hmm. or dedication or even like will to, to do that. You know, John, I agree with all of this a thousand percent. And I know that you are a bit of a conspiracy theorist, theorist. (laughs) (laughs) If if this was, do you think there's, you know, this was a, some type of plan? Is this a, I mean, I'm not saying the entire pandemic, but so this is, my, is it a coincidence? This is my spitball. Like, I don't know anything. I'm just a, a schmuck, but this is my, if I had, if there was a gun to my head and then I had to spitball, I would say that like COVID is a accidental lab leak, right? Like that, that we're working on like gain of function shit. I mean, the NIH has a lot of contracts with the Institute of Virology in Wuhan, right? So it's like, you know, it's not just, it's not China. It's not like, just China or just the US. Like, you know, every like superpower is doing bioweaponry shit. Like they have to. Mm-hmm. You know, this was yeah. like and, and a lot of countries are doing gain of function stuff, which is like you're literally conjuring up demons at that point. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you're like <laughs> you're really fucking asking for it. So well can you can you give a, a brief explanation or or kind of cliff's notes of that for our listeners who might not know exactly what you're talking about? So the Wuhan Institute of Virology is like they're they've had like 
so many strikes against them for like sloppy lab procedures. Mm -hmm. And like, it's, it's, you know, of course, you, you know, you probably have like people making the equivalent of like $10 an hour that are like dealing with, you know, some really, really nasty shit, Mm -hmm. some world ending stuff. Yeah. Some world ending stuff. And so, you know, the U S we, you know, we have admitted we are on record for defending gain of function research. And that's where you're basically, you know, you're helping something like COVID jump species, right? So Mm. it's kind of like an Occam's razor thing where it's like hmm, wet market or like something just like, you know, exiting out on the, like, you know, in the nasal cavity of like a lab worker who wasn't like being a hundred percent, you know, like careful. And then I think that once COVID hit, I think that like, if you're a smart, if you're like Bill Gates or if you're hella rich, the first thing you're going to do, unless you're an idiot is like, how do I make tons of money off this? Like who doesn't do that? Like this is, Mm -hmm. this is how capitalism works. This is how humanity works. Like the best of a bad situation. Yeah. So, I mean, just look at this, like kind of like this testing um, industrial complex that we have. Oh, baby, people are rich. Right. I mean, and, and, oh and it's, God. it may not go away, you know, and like, and like, yeah. and also the, the kind of like the controls that you can get, like facial recognition or whatever, like th- there's just like things you can start to push that, like, again, if we were like dictators, we would be like doing this stuff. Like, I don't think this is the realm of evil people. I just think that this is like what you do when you're given opportunities. So I think that like, at the, it's a major fuck up is what, that's how I kind of see it. I don't see it as intentional because mm-hmm. I don't, I think it's too, I think you don't like let something like COVID leak if you're China or the US because it, it's too unknown what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's created right. chaos in a way that is just like, you know, the financial markets don't like chaos. So that's my kind of argument against a pandemic, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. What is, what is, how many times have you had COVID, John? I officially have never had COVID. Wait, are you are you a, are you a not tester? Because that's the only way to never have it. No, I, I I I've tested many many times because one I've like left the country sure. a bunch. Yeah. So yeah. and then but the thing is is that I've never I'm like an odd bird because I'm like crazy pro vaccine but like seriously anti mask. Like I'm so like <laughs> <laughs> my man. <laughs> I think that's that's starting to become more and more common. I mean, that's yes, the better that's the better way to be than the opposite. You know what I mean? It's, like it's being you know. the opposite. You're just I mean, five billion people have received at least one fucking shot. Like if you're seeing muta- genetic genetic mutations and like heart palpitations, I'm sorry, but you would have like a lot of people fucking sick right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. I think the vaccines are harmless. I have four shots. So like I okay, that's a little too much, John. I mean, you got I, four, you got four shots, bro. Have you checked? Do you have anything growing anywhere or you feel good? No, I feel, I feel good. You but, feel good. But I never, but I also was like very loose about wearing masks really from the point that I, I mean, I didn't really give a shit in the beginning, but like from the, from the, from the, cause listen, if you're, if you got like mega vitamin D, in your system mm-hmm. and you're skinny as fuck like me, then <laughs> the numbers dictate, even with my, I'm 54, even running the numbers game, you're in the point zero realm of me time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm a math person. I just look, I, I enjoy math. I like, I believe numbers. So you had the spread, you had the spreadsheet open. You're like, I'm good to go. I really felt <laughs> like I was like, I'm not really fucking worried. I'm not, you know? So, and, and once I was vaxxed, it felt like the numbers were just like, 
statistically irrelevant considering I'm doing fucking fat caterpillar lines of cocaine. And you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> even with, like, even like, with the, the caterpillars <laughs> taken into the equation, it was still yeah. 0.00. Oh, shit. Oh, not the caterpillars. <laughs> some risk is okay, right? We got to have some risk in our life. And like, no, we, we have to. Uh-huh. Life is merely a calculated risk. Yes. You know, life is merely a calculated risk. Mm-hmm. Everything we do, and if you're if if you're if you're if you're obese and you're like sixty five years old, I would probably live in a fucking cave because you're gonna die, man. You know what I mean? Like there's mm-hmm. some there's some numbers that like gonna get you. It's gonna get you, man. Like, it's not looking good. It's not looking good for those. Well, I, yeah. I mean, I think that wow, you've you've really uh you're you're an expert on quite a lot of topics. I am. Well, I'm um, a blowhard, man. I'm, I don't know anything. Well, th- yeah. What are you What are you not knowledgeable about? Like everything else that we're not talking about. Okay. If you ask me uh, any other question, I would. You a big sports guy? You don't. You know, you a big sports guy. I'm a crazy, crazy NBA fan. Really? Like insanely locked into the NBA. Like the NBA has been like the major love of my life. So cool. Damn. All I wanted to be was an NBA player my whole life. How tall are you? <laughs> Five nine. <laughs> oh, sorry, bro. God, God had different plans for you. He said, he, he said, you're going to be a short king. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he handed you a Yamaha and said, "You better learn to play this." Yeah. So five nine, you're in the category where you might walk up to a tall person at the airport and ask him for a couple inches. Is that out of question for you? <laughs> My girlfriend's taller than me. She calls me short king, so that's that's why I say that. Well, you're having a you're having a renaissance. It is short king summer. That's officially it is. That's officially. I don't know who coined that, but uh, I can guess how tall they are. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> they're yeah, short. Yeah. They're midgets, is what they are. You're not. We're not allowed to use that word anymore, John. But yeah. Yeah, you're from a different generation, so you can kind of say whatever. You know what I mean? You can kind of say anything you want. Uh, when you're when you're preparing for this tour now, are you doing this? Are you bringing a band? Is it just you? It's it's just me. I just play solo, and I take so my my, my I like unmediated art. You know, like I think that like I I take questions, I answer anonymous questions, I. I, I play like, you know, it's electric guitar with the drum machine. It's pretty weird and abstract. Mm-hmm. And, and I just will, I don't have a set list. I'll kind of just like, <laughs> really? like I just, yeah, I'll change the songs every night. I'll just, I'll play songs based on what I want to hear. Sometimes someone will request something. Some of, you know, they're really big in Europe. I mean, I toured with them right before the pandemic and some of the shows were like 3000 people. So Mm. it's kind of nerve wracking to be, to to stand up there alone with a guitar and not have just like this, like blank, I'm a performer and I'm leaving the stage after I play my 11 songs without talking. Like I'm really completely vulnerable to the audience. You got no safety net. None. Yeah, that is an interesting approach, and I'm also wondering if the fans like this. <laughs> Who knows? That's, the, that's their problem. <laughs> <laughs> I, really I agree. No, because not a surf. Not a surf is one of those bands that that's so that era where it's like their music is actually good, but they're known for one song yes, because yeah, it exploded. Yeah, you know, yeah, and the, a, yeah. a lot of those bands have like pretty big touring businesses, especially in Europe, because yeah. maybe I think Europe probably has a different connection to them than we do in the u.s like for instance i'm on a not a surf's bus so i'm the they're, they're actually allowing my girlfriend to go on like a lot of the tour like most of the tour mm-hmm. so really you know there's only so much it's a big no-no where i come from <laughs> tell her tell her not to do number two in the bathroom <laughs> I'll, t- I'll t- it's kind of one then- of the rules on the bus you know what i mean <laughs> that rule comes right after don't bring sand to the beach <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and then like but yeah you're a quintet yeah go ahead and then like you you know just to you know you know how the music business is like the money is draining out so fast that like it whenever i see a band whenever i go to a show and i see like more than one person i'm like man how much are these like lovely people losing tonight by playing a show mm-hmm. you know it's yeah don't don't check out don't listen to brock hampton it's gonna make you crazy I know. they got 15 guys you know, know what i mean they're losing money every night and stuff out there on the road i know well what is so you're basically saying you've optimized your your touring business to keep the pockets lined because i'm too small like if i were bigger it would be really fun to like have like a rotating cast of like people, but the economics of touring, it is, it's totally brutal to make, to actually really make, I mean, bands are pretty good at deluding themselves about that they're, <laughs> that they're making money or not, you know, but like, mm-hmm. I think to actually make money on tour is really, really difficult. And you have to be huge if you have any personnel to pay for it because a good drummer on tour is like 1200 a week. And then they also need lodging. So it's like, that's mm-hmm. real money. I know when you're yeah no when you're standing at the Four Seasons every night you got to get two rooms. This is fucked. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah. absolutely fucked. We 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 do a um when we have musicians on the podcast we like to talk about sinks. Yeah. Speaking of income. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like you've made a little bread you know from maybe a Mitsubishi commercial in your time. Is that true? It's weird. You know the <laughs> most that I ever made on a sink deal was with um uh, Gilmore Girls and it was twenty eight grand. And when that happened, mm. and it was, I know it's not bad, but like, but I, I have friends that have made like, you know, I have one friend that made like a million dollars from licensing a song to a bank. So like 28 grand compared to that. Now remember, you split half of that money with your label. So like all of a sudden you got 14 grand. That's right. Hopefully this was a self-release tune. <laughs> yeah, that would be sick. Did Ben, did, <laughs> did Ben Gibbard make $14,000 off of you or is it somebody else? That would be sick. Actually, you know, what's funny is that Ben is the guy that told me that you have to run on tired legs because, you know, he's doing like, Oh, he's a big marathon. He's guy a big now. marathon. He's like ultra marathoner. Yeah. He does like a hundred mile runs all the time. Sober King, sober King. Holy yeah. Shit. Sober King. So, so you, you know, okay. So, when I made that, so I remember I got the call from the licensing agency for the 28 grand. And this was like 2010. Well, just for inflation. <laughs> yeah, just for inflation. And I remember thinking, this is the beginning of me being a rich person from music. Like, that's how deluded <laughs> I was. <laughs> I was like, this is the beginning of me becoming a rich person. It was very good. And I was like, I better get another phone line here because I'm going to get so many phone calls. For <laughs> your, fir- your first thought. I got call waiting installed, babe. I hope you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. So you, you, so Giver gets half. Yeah. Uncle Sam gets the other half. Yeah. I mean, I cheat on my taxes. So like, I probably didn't pay that much. <laughs> and I'm not. I'm not being funny. I really do. No, no. I. I, I, <laughs> I believe it. I would I hope believe so. it. I mean, I'm a scammer. How would How would I survive otherwise? Have you ever done? So you. So you're kind of like you're the cockroach. You're the rat yeah. in the gutter. Oh, I'm a rat. Try to step on him. You can't kill him. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm. A, I'm definitely a rat. Like I, I'm. I don't think I'm a cockroach because. Like when I see rats and I look at rat behavior, I'm just like, man, that reminds me of me. Honestly, <laughs> when I study rat behavior, I see myself. I see myself. So, <laughs> what are some? Do you have an example of a rat trait that you found yourself uh, attaching yourself to? Well, I mean, I like I. I mean, obviously, this is void of anything involving the snitch or. Or, or being dishonest or disloyal to your, yeah, to your mafia. The thing crew. is that, that I don't think that that, like calling someone a rat for like snitching, 
I don't think that rats, like if you look at how rats behave. It's offensive to rats. Yeah, like like it's offensive to rats. Like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> like rats are probably crazy loyal. You know what I mean? Like they probably like just gang up on you and, and uh, like kill you. More loyal than any fucking gabagool muncher from Jersey, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I've God. been running like, uh, you know, low level scams for, I mean, I do. <laughs> yes, yes, John. My, yes, my friend John. said the other day, like, that like I have a lot of good life hacks and I was just like life hacks like these are definitely not life hacks these are scams you couldn't like these are grifts you couldn't put them in like a BuzzFeed article you know what yeah, I mean don't, like, these don't are, these... gentrify scamming yeah don't gentrify yeah. Well, we scamming. can put we, John we can put this into a book because I live a similar life I'm more I'm less on like the the scamming and tax evasion and more on like Whole Foods uh barcodes skipping and you know things like that minor shoplifting so maybe we could combine you do the highs i do the lows you do the federal prison i do the state and county <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is a dynamic duo i'm being replaced live on air yeah what do you have any any of these quote life hacks the whole the, listen the whole foods thing has probably changed my life like the kind of the grifting from whole foods <laughs> let's get into it brother my my brother well the, i mean the top level is just to do exactly what you're saying you cover the upc symbol and slide it over i mean that's mm-hmm. that's where the action is you know and you can <laughs> and then it's it's choosing i feel which, like i'm listening to what's chris what's the, the what? what's the, that's where the action is this is like gary if, if gary v lived in riverside is what i'm hearing yeah. Like you're, you're you you have the confidence of of a head of state, but you're speaking yeah. about minor shoplifting yeah. Yeah. with this conviction that I love. Yeah, and and like really like it's like below the level of where LA County would actually prosecute you. You know, so it's like Bingo. according to the state, it's irrelevant what you're doing. And and according to any employee who works there, yeah. who who hates well, their job and yeah, probably they don't steals care. Themselves. They love Bezos, but you know they're gonna let you slide. <laughs> well, internally in Amazon, they actually you're not allowed to stop a customer from stealing. And the reason is, is that it's a huge liability issue, right? Because mm-hmm. like, let's say that there's like any kind of physical touching, you know, and I like fall down quote unquote. And mm-hmm. like, you know, and that's why security won't stop you. It's like, they're going to just let you go. It's just not worth it for that jar of wellness formula yep. for Edgar to slide tackle me. And next thing you know, my head <laughs> hits the curb mm, 25 to life. Yep. Hundred percent. Or you say that you got a neck injury from like my neck and my back. Yeah, yeah. That's da- that's dangerous stuff. I'm glad to. I'm glad that you and Jason are on the on the same wave of building here. Yeah, John and I just operate every day of like who would want who, who can I convince to like settle out of court with me? Yes. Yeah, I'm not going to run it all the way up the flagpole. Yep. I'm easy. I'm fair. You need hundreds of low level scams. I'll give you another one. This is like very low hanging fruit, <laughs> Please. especially in give Los Angeles. Them, so what you do is you get a, a Metro express lanes transponder for carpooling <laughs> in Los Angeles. You keep it on okay. the plus three click, which means that you have three people in your vehicle and 24 hours a day, it's free for you to drive in any express lane. That's good news. That's good shit right so, there. That's good shit. So you're blazing. So you're going down to like, let's say like Rap Beach or like Palos Verdes. You're on the 110 and you're just <laughs> mm-hmm. blazing at 75 miles an hour while it's a parking lot in the non-express lane side of the highway. And this is and this is just you go to the city and they give one to you for free, right? Yeah, it's free. You go to MetroExpressLanes.com or whatever the site is. <laughs> 
Do you have a promo code, John, that we can yes. give you a shout-out? Yeah, Throw a couple shekels in your slash drive? Slash Vander Slice at checkout for 20% <laughs> off. Thank you guys for listening. Just show some love. Keep the lights on over here. What are you doing down in Palos Verdes? Coke dealer lives there. Yeah, we- his coke dealer summer's there. There's really, really good like hidden beaches down there, and there's really good coastal hiking yeah, in Palos yeah. Verdes. I don't access any like I don't think the food or anything is I don't think anything's really good down there, but I think that yeah. like Rat Beach, I think, is very special, which is just the beach just north of Palos Verdes. I love that beach. It's a really lovely beach. And PV's got a great golf course too. That Trump course is tough on that back nine. Am I right, John? Wait, isn't that where Tiger Woods got into his car accident, right? Yes. That's where Tiger that's where Tiger flipped the all new Genesis off perks. Yeah, he, yeah. He had eighty on the dash and, and eighty milligrams in the mouth. <laughs> Are you serious? He was on a bunch of pills. No, he claims he wasn't. I think that's the whole thing. I think that's why he got away with it. It's because he wasn't I mean, I guess he got away with it because it was look, a single when I car got accident. My, pulled over by the cops, I claimed I wasn't either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good that's a good point. Usually you do say you're yeah. not, but I feel like when it's a high profile assailant they like to check this stuff. Yes, yes, yeah. But if you're Tiger Woods, you probably got prescriptions for everything. Yep, yeah. You got scripts. I mean, I'm sure, John, you've done some doctor shopping in your time. <laughs> well, you know what's weird is that I... Oh, yeah, what's your relationship with pills, John? I'd like to hear some more. I would... This is my feeling about drugs. I think that, like, drugs are best kept when they're there's a ceremonial aspect to them. Like, I really did, like the ceremonial part of smoking weed when I was growing up. I love mm-hmm. that you sat around a table and like rolled a joint with five of your friends and you put on like presents, you know, and you kind of like connected through this, like mm-hmm. this thing. And, and a, fr- I, and a friend of mine, yeah, we did this every night in front of my parents' house. We smoked weed in my car. We nicknamed it the Dank Tank. Yeah, of course. And, you did. <laughs> and my friend Beavis, he had this amazing stoner epiphany. He was like, half the fun of smoking weed is smoking the wheat hundred you know it is the ceremony it is the process of getting excited to break up that little eight ball it's that process of knowing that you have that molly in your pocket and you're going to do it when tiesto goes on yeah whatever the situation is hundred percent and like so i think that when you when you like really keep it locked into that one ceremonial use even if it's completely like superficial like it doesn't have to be about transforming your you know like oh wait stop sucking let me hit this joint really quick it'll make it better (laughs) (laughs) i mean and then the other thing is that i think that like drug use is best and this is the do the do less drugs thing to do more is the idea that like you don't normalize drug use. You don't do anything every day. In fact, I would say that like I wish somebody I wish I wish somebody would told me that before I met Oxycontin, but thanks for the tip. I would have kept you I would have kept you safe. I really would have kept you safe. Mm-hmm. I would have been your better angel with drugs. John knows the difference between use and abuse. And also, pills are as you know, Chris, like pills are easy. Mm. And and I also don't I like the, the the rattiness of a drug. Like, for instance, I would have said you would have been better off smoking opium. You know, than and, doing and it's, it's funny you say that. I have smoked some opium in my time, and it's fantastic. Yeah, that's basically grass-fed oxycotton, right, John? It's it, artisanal. It, 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 it's a and it's a better high. It's more complicated. You know, there's more going on, and it's more functional. It's more full-bodied. I can't toss eight of those back and wash it down with a smart water after a bowl of cereal. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> what was the most like that you ever think you did in one day i was doing at the peak i was probably doing 10 10 oxys and and like five muscle relaxers at the same time <laughs> did it feel like kind of amazing though right <laughs> hell yeah it felt amazing bro until i od'd yeah it was sick 
Fuck. <laughs> and then what happened when you OD'd? Well, I thought I, I, I woke up in the hospital and I was fine. Fuck. And then I went home and I kept doing it for a couple more months. And then I decided to stop doing it. Whoa. Yeah. That's a good, that's a lot of discipline. Yeah. Well, I'm very disciplined now. And I, I believe that I was also very disciplined about taking it every single day. And that was the problem. I was too disciplined. I was too disciplined about my intake. The blessing and the curse of being a disciplined person. Yeah, it person. comes at you in different ways. But I think that I think that your outlook is it's very nice to hear about because this is what I think a lot of people aspire to. I think Jason has a little bit of this in him as well. I don't want to, if it's that easy, to quote Tupac Shakur the late. Yeah, but for someone like me, I just don't have it in me. I have no, it's either, you know, pedal to the metal or nothing at all. And you, you, some, some people have to find that out the hard way. Yeah, That's look, the problem. If you're, yeah. if you're Chris's life partner and you're listening to this right now, Add a little edging into the life, <laughs> the lifestyle, and see if anything takes. Yeah, just a little edging. I think it's it's what the major takeaway from this podcast is: a little edging never hurt anybody. That's right. Earn it. <laughs> is there new music out as well? Yeah, I have a record that came out on April sixteenth uh, called. It's a record that I put under the name of Orange Purple Beach, and that that record's called Death Bug. And then I have a record coming out in September called Crystals Three Okay. So I, I make a lot of music. You do make a lot of music. No, I love, I, I love your output. I love your output. And, um, I got to say, John, you are a great podcast. Hang, guest. uh, hang the jersey in the, that, that, in the rafters, John. Yeah. John, you might have to, you might have to come back on how long gone, like quarterly. And also check this in. music shit, it's no good for you, John. Get into podcasting now <laughs> and then we'll start, we'll go Bentley shopping this time next year. All right. <laughs> that would be sick. I know you love those guys at Spotify. They all, you know, they cut you checks. Yeah, you know they, what I yeah. mean? The checks could get bigger if you start. Po- you have a studio already, John. You have a studio already. This is, it's, it's in the class. It's in the stars. And also you. you're one of the only guys who can do a fully analog podcast. Of course, you're going to have to upload it at some point and digitize it. But, you know, 320, of course. (laughs) Yeah, we need to do a collaboration where maybe you cut an episode of How Long Gone direct to tape. Yeah, you know what I, I mean. And see, yeah. we'll put it out because we're 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 with uh, Jag Jaguar. We have a little record deal, yeah. you know. So I think we could maybe put out a a twelve inch full analog. I think that's a good idea, Jason. Something for the gear sluts out there. <laughs> well, John, uh, no, honestly, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, you guys, obviously, John's got a deep catalog of music available on all streaming services. Uh, and catch him in if you're in uh, Brussels, you know where to find him <laughs> with our boys at, at at not our boys not a surf over there. And also, lastly, um, you you did a podcast like a limited podcast series with Truanon where you kind of did a narrative podcast about your your life and career story and everything like that. So if you like John in the podcast form, mm-hmm. you know go go find those episodes on the Truanon podcast. Yeah, it's called Keep the Dream Alive, and it's a it's a five parter about the history of of Tiny Telephone in San Francisco, and it's it was uh, produced by Young Chomsky of Truanon, and it's it's really really well done. Like I'm yeah, I'm shocked really well at how good it came out. So I think that's like highly entertaining. Just like this podcast, it's really well done. Um, mm-hmm. I I totally get it, and I understand we're kind of we're kind of in the same league as those guys. So no problem, no problem for us to talk about that. Uh, Pleasure, John. John, Thank you, you can so find you can find John online anywhere. You can see John on stage, and uh, John, yeah, we'll see you soon, man. We'll also, see you John's in a great shit poster on Instagram. Go follow him for some <laughs> fucked up memes. I actually posted some crazy shit today on Insta. So yeah, I'm I'm on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> all right, great. All right, John. Bye. Thanks, man. Have a good one. All right, later. Bye. Appreciate it, man.